All right, Luke 24. Turn your Bibles there again. Happy Resurrection Sunday. We're glad you could join us wherever you may be. Hey, if you call this your church home, that's wonderful. Uh, and again, at the same time, if you're visiting us today, we're glad you're here. We hope you feel welcomed and loved. It's on. All right, Luke 24. So if you were here on Thursday night, we're going to open with a word of prayer, but if you were here on Thursday night, we saw the resurrection, or we saw the, the prelude to the resurrection, Jesus being crucified. We saw the incredible price that he had to pay. And the reason the price was so heavy is because our sin was so deep, because our sin was so treacherous, because we had separated ourselves from Almighty God. And the only way that sinful man can be restored to holy God is through a holy sacrifice. For thousands of years, the old covenant, they made sacrifices pointing to the coming Messiah. And Jesus Christ is the one who came and fulfilled all the prophecy. He was the one that they'd all been waiting for. And then Jesus, as we know, at the end of the last chapter, uh, he had been crucified. His body had been claimed by Joseph of Arimathea. He had been laying in a, in a tomb. He's wrapped in cloths. He's, he's laid in a tomb. The disciples have all scattered. They're all in fear. They don't know what to do. The last ones at the cross, the women at the cross, or we will see this morning, will be the first ones at the tomb. And so some of you might find yourself in that exact place where they were at the end of the, chapter 23. Your, your life, you don't really understand. We're going through a pandemic. We've got some difficult things in our lives right now. And just like they were fearful and didn't know what the future held, you may feel the same way. My prayer at the end of the message today is that we'll have confidence in the fact that God is in control. We may not know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. And we serve a faithful God, an all-knowing, an almighty, an all-powerful God. And whatever we're going through right now, God is aware of it. God will use this for his kingdom and his glory if we will but let him. Let's open with a word of prayer, and we'll dig into the word. Heavenly Father, we do thank you, we praise you, we love you, we thank you for your word, that it's living and breathing and sharper than a two-edged sword. And we're thankful today that this biography didn't end in chapter 23. The biography of every other man who's ever lived ends when he dies. But we don't serve a dead God, we serve a risen and living Savior. I pray for those watching today or who may watch later that don't know you, that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, we pray for revival in our nation. Lord, bring us to the end of ourselves, Lord. Help us to look up and put our faith and our hope and our trust in you and you alone. We ask these things in your holy and your precious name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. So we ended chapter 23. And when we saw the end of the chapter, again, Jesus had been taken down from the cross. Jesus had been in, in, in placed in the tomb. Everybody, the people were worried. They were fearful. They were scattered. They didn't know what to expect. But Jesus Christ is going to be the one that brings it all back together and prove himself to be God. Last week, uh, if, or on Thursday night, if you were here, I titled the message, how, was the, how Has the Cross Impacted Your Life? How has the cross impacted your life? Is this something we do on Easter and Christmas? Are we CEO Christians? And again, if, that's, if, you, don't, if you only come to church at Easter, I'm glad you're here, and I hope you feel welcomed and loved. That being said, Jesus Christ is more than religion. He's a relationship. You either have a relationship with him, you either know him. We can't just know about him, that's not enough. We need to know him in a personal and an intimate way. And we saw in last uh, Thursday's message, you can get online, how has the message impacted your life? We saw Simon of Cyrene who moved from religion to a relationship. We saw those who were weeping because of what was happening to Christ. We saw the two thieves on the cross, how one mocked the Lord in a sense and said, get us down from here, and the other one said, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And that's, we're all in one of those two camps. We're either telling God what he needs to do to prove to us who he is, or we recognize who he is and we've surrendered our lives to him. 
And my prayer is that we're like the thief on the cross who the Lord turned to him and said, today you'll be with me in paradise. We saw the centurion who watched, who wasn't even a religious man. While the religious leaders, many of them were mocking Jesus, who had cried out for him to be crucified, the centurion recognized just by watching what happened on the cross, seeing how Jesus responded when he was being scourged, seeing how he responded on the cross and the words that he said, seeing that the sky grew dark for three hours and then the earth quaked, making it very clear that this was indeed the Son of God. The centurion said, he is the son of God. While the religious people missed him, a simple soldier recognized him for who he was. He came with that simple faith and was born again. We saw also that it caused the curious and concerned. There were those who were curious and concerned, but they weren't fully committed to the Lord. And they didn't recognize him for who he truly was. And when things got tough, they were scattered. You know, this is a time right now we can be panicked and we can turn to the world for answers and we can look at our stock, the stock market and we look at our bank accounts and our job situation. And we can, if we've been putting your hope in those things right now, you're fearful and you should be. But if your hope is in Christ, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And then we saw Joseph of Arimathea, who was a religious man. He was a part of the Sanhedrin. And he was one of those religious leaders, and while other religious leaders were crying out, crucify him, Joseph was willing to set aside his religious entanglements, because it wasn't a relationship with the Lord, and be identified with Christ. He took his body, which defiled him from the Passover, and he brought that body, and he took him to this tomb, fulfilling biblical prophecy. And that's where we pick up this morning in chapter 24. So all four of the Gospels, again, are the good news of Jesus Christ. None of them end with his death. They all continue on. If you are on my Facebook page, if you're one of my Facebook friends, I also post on the Calvary Chapel website. We do have the outlines there, so you can go there to follow along. But here's the outline. I tell the message, the transforming power of the resurrection. Because here's the reality. It's not enough that he has risen. Look, if he's risen, if he's a risen Savior, but he has not been invited to live in your heart, it's not going to help you one bit. The fact that we serve a risen and living Savior, we must have surrendered our lives to him. So yes, he is risen, but he's on the throne of your life. So that's the exhortation this morning. So the transforming power of the resurrection, first we're going to see in the first 12 verses, he transformed the perplexed and confused women into bold witnesses of the truth. We're going to see them coming to the cross with embalming fluid, which is something you bring for a dead man. But they're going to get to the tomb and they're going to see that Jesus isn't there. And then the angels are going to tell them that he has risen, reminding them what the word of God already said. And guys, the reason that we live lacking faith is we forget what the word of God has already told us. The word of God is very clearly, Jesus said seven times just in the gospel of Luke that he would die and then he would raise from the dead. And yet when he died, nobody expected him to raise from the dead. And the only people that did anything about it were the religious leaders who put guards there to make sure that no one stole his body away and people would think that he had risen from the dead. So the only people that were really listening to that message and understanding it to any degree were the religious leaders and not his followers. And guys, it's not enough. We need to come to that place where we recognize Christ for who he is. So not only did it transform the perplexed and the confused, it transformed the men on the road to Emmaus. We're going to see this. My dad, who's now in heaven, one of his favorite parts of scripture, we're going to cover that this morning. So Jesus has been crucified. He is the talk of the entire city. It's Passover. Jerusalem has swollen from hundreds of thousands, maybe to millions of people. 
So the whole entire city is there. They're coming for Passover. It is a huge, huge uh, religious observance and celebration. And these two men are walking away from Jerusalem to Emmaus, and they're having a discussion. And they don't know what to think. Everyone's talking about Jesus. You know why? Because he wasn't a normal man being crucified. Because when normal men were crucified, the earth doesn't go dark for three hours. When normal men were crucified, we don't have the earth quaking. And Jesus had been crucified And it was something that had gotten the world's attention. And as these men are walking on the road, they're going to get a visitor who's going to come alongside them and begin to speak to them and show them how Jesus is God from the Old Testament, speaking into their lives. So the second thing we're going to see is he transforms these men on the road from discouragement and doubt to burning hearts and burning feet. Well, that's my prayer for all of us. If you're discouraged, if you have doubt today, I pray by the end of this message as we read God's word that the Holy Spirit would transform us into people with burning hearts and burning feet to share the gospel. Not just to accept it ourselves, but to have a burden to see everybody come to know Jesus Christ. And then finally, in the transforming power of the resurrection, from perplexed and confused to bold witnesses, from uh, discouragement and doubt to burning hearts and burning feet, then finally, from fear and unbelief to heart of worship and uncontainable joy. Boy, I often think when I, I think of all people that go, went through this, but the one I think of the most, I think the focus is on is Peter. Because see, when we come to this text, Peter's last vision of the Lord, the last time he saw him is when he denied him. He denied him three times. He cursed and said he didn't know him. And then he went away and wept bitterly because the third time when he rejected the Lord, his eyes met his Savior's eyes. He went away, and now he's in hiding. He had said, I will never deny you, Lord, and now he had just openly denied him, and he thought it was over, and he had no hope, and imagine how that, those hearts of fear and unbelief, and quickly, as soon as he saw the Savior, the joy returned, the worship returned, and maybe you walked away from the Lord, and maybe you feel like you've denied him. Maybe the last time you even thought about him was last Easter, but I'm just glad you're here today, and I want you to know that today you can get right with God. And maybe, maybe you walked with the Lord for years and you've kind of walked away and you've allowed the things of the world to draw your attention from him. My heart is that all of us would come back to a place of complete and total devotion and dedication to our Savior and our Lord. So let's begin there in verse 1. He is, he is risen indeed, the transforming power of the resurrection. The first thing we're going to see, transforming the perplexed and confused women into bold witnesses of the truth. It says there in verse 1 of Luke 24. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. So the first day of the week, we know from the the Jewish calendar, is Sunday. So Sunday is the first day of the week. And the reason that most Christians gather to have our services on Sunday is because we are remembering the resurrection. In Judea, in the Old Covenant, Saturday was the Sabbath, and now it's Sunday. Now here's the reality, we can worship Jesus any day of the week, and we should. We should worship him seven days a week. My heart for our church is that we have stuff going on every single day, opportunities to gather together, to pray, to worship, to be in the word. But the, the main day and the main focus and the main reason that so many churches gather together on Sunday is because Jesus is a risen and living savior who triumphed over sin and death and rose from the dead on Sunday morning. Now, the women come and the reason they waited till Sunday was because of the Passover, And they didn't want to defile themselves by touching a dead body. So they're coming to the tomb, praise God, but they're coming to anoint a dead body, they just still don't get it. And so they're coming with the wrong understanding, but at least they came. 
and they came to honor the Lord. They had not denied him. They were not rejecting him. They, they were still coming in a, as an act of faithful obedience. I want to say this too about Easter Sunday. It's not about bunnies and eggs and baskets. Can I get an amen? If you have some of those in your house, it's okay. God bless you, all right? But the reality is, I would hope that our kids wake up on Resurrection Sunday and the first thing on their mind isn't a basket filled with eggs, but a Savior risen and living and triumphing over sin and death. Can I get an amen to that? So I want to encourage us. It's okay to, if you want to have an Easter egg hunt, God bless you. But more importantly, I pray our kids would remember that today is the day that Jesus rose from the dead. We know from Mark's gospel, as they were walking to the tomb, they, they wondered amongst themselves, who's going to roll away the stone? How are we going to get into the body? How are we going to be able to get in there to put the spices on him? So they're wondering in their own minds, but what are they doing? They're still looking at things from the physical, not the spiritual. And a lot of times that's what people do when it comes to Christ. Guys, we've got to move beyond the temporal to the eternal. So they, they come together, the same women. And I love these women. They were the last at the cross and the first at the tomb. Praise God. Even though their faith is not where it should be, their understanding is not where it should be, praise God that they came. It says they got in verse 2, but they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. It says in Matthew that there was an earthquake and an angel opened the tomb. Now I want to make this really clear. The stone was not removed so Jesus could get out. Okay, he's almighty God, and he doesn't need anybody to remove a rock. Can I get an amen? He is the rock. He doesn't need anybody to move the rock. So he had already been risen without the stone being removed, and the stone wasn't rolled away so Jesus could get out. It was rolled away so the women could get in. Amen? So they could see that the tomb was empty. Guys, we don't need, the Lord doesn't need our help. Can I get an amen to that? He doesn't need us to roll anything away, move anything. He does it all on his own. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the creator of the universe. He said light is and light was. He, he put the stars in the sky. If you, a telescope or a microscope, everything you look at is so detailed because God's hand is upon it. Believe me, he moved the rock just fine. And by the way, all the soldiers, when the angels showed up, they all fell out. So I just think it's hilarious that the religious leaders of the day thought soldiers in a rock would keep in the Savior of the world. Amen. So they showed up, the stone had been rolled away. Uh, by the way, you know, he could have flipped it to the other side of the country, right? They just moved it, it's gone. And they come, by the way, if you ever been to Israel, I've been to the tomb, guess what? It's empty. Can I get an amen? So we do serve a risen and living Savior, unlike the, the bodies of all the false gods of this world that are still buried in the ground. So they see that the stone is rolled away, so they're no doubt excited about that, but watch what happens. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. One of the things I love to do um, when I'm going to sleep is I put, on, I put on where they just read through the Bible. And last night, I actually put on the Luke movie in my room and just had it playing as I was laying in bed. And I, it was so awesome when it got to this portion, the way they portrayed them. Run, they come in expecting to find a dead body, and he's not there. And what should have been their first reaction was, well, didn't he say he was going to raise from the dead? Instead, their re reaction was, who stole his body away? What happened? Where have they taken him? And so they were coming to anoint a dead body, and when the dead body wasn't there, instead of remembering his words that he had told them repeatedly that he would raise from the dead, they look at it from a physical perspective, and they begin to panic. And that's a lot of what's happening in the world today. People are looking at things from a worldly perspective, and they're beginning to panic. We have nothing to panic about. Guys, isn't it good to know that this went through God's hands before it ever got to us? Guys, I, I know it's a big deal, and I don't want to downplay it, but it's a flu bug. Our God's greater. Can I get an Amen. 
Our God is greater. Our God is in control. Our God is faithful. We pray for those that are suffering. We're thankful for the, for the, responder, the first responders and all the nurses and doctors. God bless you guys. I'm thankful for you. But I want you to know this. God's got this. Amen? God is in control. We can trust him. And this too shall pass. And my prayer is that we're going to come out the other side and it's more in love with Jesus and more desperate for him than we ever have been as a nation. Amen? That God would use even this for his glory. So they come into the tomb and they see that he's not there. And they're just looking at each other. What happened? They don't know what to think. They don't know what to do. Verse 4. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. It tells us that Jesus had told them seven times in this gospel that he would die and on the third day raise from the dead, and yet angels had to show up to remind them. You know, I'm real repetitive as a pastor. I get told that a lot. You say things over and over. You know why? We need to be reminded. Can I get an amen to that? They've been told seven times. They've been told repeatedly, repeatedly from Jesus directly to them, and still they forgot. And that's why we need to be in God's word every single day. Amen? We're not reading Moby Dick. We never finish reading the Bible. Can I get an amen to that? Keep reading it, keep reading it, keep reading it, keep reading it, keep reading it. I've been a pastor for 32 years. I feel like I'm two inches deep in the depths of the ocean when it comes to understanding the word of God. There's so much more that God wants to, share, to, to speak to us about. So the Son of Man, it says in Luke 9, here's one example. He said to them, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. That's pretty direct. Can I get an amen? That's not that hard to understand. He repeats it again in verse 44 of the very same chapter. So they've been told, but they're panicking because their focus is on their circumstances instead of remembering the word of God. Because our focus is on our circumstances instead of remembering what the word of God says. Amen? He is the great physician. My days are numbered. We're indestructible till God's through with us. Again, don't be, don't be foolish, but also don't be faithless. Can I get an amen to that? So, they're perplexed. It doesn't make sense to them. And if you and I do not heed the living and powerful word of God, we too will be perplexed. Life won't make sense. But you know what? When you know Jesus, it all makes sense. And so verse 5 through 7, he says here, Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? Amen to that. Why are you looking for a dead man? Why are you, why are you looking for the living amongst dead people? He's not dead. He's not a dead God. He's not Buddha who's dead. Can I get an amen? He's not Charles Taze Russell, dead. Joseph Smith, Mormon Church, dead. Buddha, dead. Can I get an amen to that? Charles Darwin, if you're putting your faith in the theory of evolution from the goo to the zoo to you, dead. Amen? L. Ron Hubbard, right, of, the, of Scientology, dead. Jesus Christ, risen and living Savior who has triumphed over sin and death. We got a shout out from the mountaintops. Can I get an amen? We should be unashamed because we don't serve a dead God. We serve a risen and a living Savior. Sadly, many still seek Jesus among the dead. They think of him as a religious figure a good man, a prophet. When I pastored in Santa Cruz, I'd have people tell me, oh, he had, the, he had the most illuminated aura. Stop it. Here's the reality. He's far beyond a guru. He's far beyond a prophet. He's far beyond a good man. He's far beyond a good teacher. You know what? If he was just one of those things, we wouldn't even be here today. You know what he is? He's God in human flesh, almighty, all-knowing, creator of all things, 
He always has been and always will be. I ought to give you a headache. He was there before time started. He was outside of time and space. He's got the, he holds the whole world in his hand. He's the creator of the universe, and he loves you so much, he'd rather die than live without you. Don't look for Jesus among the dead. See him as who he really is, the risen and living Savior who has triumphed over sin and death. What a great and awesome God we serve. He's risen. He's living. And you know what else is good? The Bible says we're two more gathered in his name. There he is in the midst of us. He's a guest of honor this morning. Amen? He's he's in every one of your homes as we gather together to worship him. Again, he's not a faraway, distant God. He's Abba Father. Abba Father means daddy. Daddy's never far away. Can I get an amen? That's that's the heavenly father and Jesus, his son. And the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Guys, we're never abandoned by almighty God. So the women were perplexed and afraid. And he reminds them of the word of God. So the next time you're perplexed or afraid, or when you're talking to somebody who is perplexed or afraid, remind them what the word of God says. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And guys, the reason we're fearful, we're not spending enough time in God's word. The reason we're perplexed, we're anxious. The reason we're more focused on the White House's response than the throne of grace is because we forget what the word says of God says. Now watch what he says. He is not here, but is risen. Jesus did die. He didn't just swoon. He didn't just get sick and wake up. Jesus died. And on the third day, he rose, just as he said. It says there, remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again, and they remembered his words. There it is. Guys, if you have not spent time in the word since last year around this time, or you've been so focused on everything else and so concerned, can I encourage you? Maybe some of you got some extra time on your hands. Read the book, don't wait for the movie, amen? There's a wonderful time to open up the word of God. Open it, read it, and obey it, Amen? Because if you want your faith to grow, spend time in his word. One of my favorite Bible teachers, Don Corson, people used to say to him all the time, I wish I had faith like you. And his response was always the same. You can. Read the Bible as much as I do. Can I get an amen? You're as close to God as you want to be. If you're not as close as you used to be, who moved? Amen? And the reality is that our intimate fellowship with God is up to us. He desires that you have intimate fellowship with him. It's not God's fault if you don't have fellowship with God. It's your fault. It's my fault. Amen? He desires that fellowship. And guys, I want to encourage you that beginning today, start reading through the Word of God. If you don't know where to read, start in one of the Gospels. Read the book of Acts. Read Romans. Just go through the Bible and ask God to show himself to you. See, they were perplexed because they had forgotten the Word. And as soon as they remembered the Word, guess what? They went from being perplexed and confused, and they're about to become bold witnesses of the truth. And you know what happened? God's Word got into their hearts. And that's what needs to happen with each and every one of us says there in verse 9, they returned from the tomb and told all things to the eleven and all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. We know in John's gospel, it says that Mary lingered at the tomb. And when she lingered at the tomb, she saw someone she thought was the gardener, and it was Jesus. And she turned to him, and she was weeping, and through her tears, she didn't recognize him. And then he said her name, Mary. And she said, Rabboni, teacher. And you know what? Do you know that the Lord has called us all by name? He calls us by name. 
And we need to recognize who he is and respond to the calling he has placed upon our lives to have a relationship with him. And as soon as she recognized who he was, as soon as he called her by name, she couldn't help but tell everybody else. Let me just say this. If you've truly given your life to Jesus Christ, it'll be evident in the fact that you can't keep it to yourself. Can I get an amen to that? You know, those who say, well, I'm an undercover Christian, or I just, you know, I have my own faith and I keep it to myself. Guys, imagine if you had the cure for COVID-19. And someone in your family had it, and you had it, and you took, the, you took the antidote, you took the vaccine, whatever it is, and now the disease goes away. And you know everyone else has been exposed to it. How selfish a person would you be if you took all of that vaccine and put it in your garage and left it there? Guys, as Christians, we have something better than the cure to COVID-19. We have the, the person, we have the truth, we have the gospel that triumphs over sin, death, and the grave. How in the world can we keep it to ourselves? Amen? As Christians, we ought to be, again, don't be the self-righteous jerk standing on a corner screaming at people, but we should be loving, kind, gracious, but also bold to speak the truth in love. Amen? I'm glad someone loved me enough to tell me the truth about Jesus. And guys, you know what? The reality is most people do not get saved in huge crusades. They get saved because a neighbor, a coworker, a family member, a friend loves them enough to share a truth that's hard sometimes for them to hear. And you know what? We got to get past being worried about how we feel about it, being, being concerned about how the other person might respond, be more concerned about seeing people come to know our Lord, our Savior, our God, and our King. I can't even imagine living this life without Him. I can't imagine it. And if you're living without Him today, do not let the day, do not, uh, let the day go by without giving your life to Him. Notice that they ran and told the apostles. The apostles were all hiding. You know, uh, Peter lopped off an ear, and then, you know, by the end of the day, he's hiding. He had denied the Lord three times. And often, we fall in our own area of strength. You know, Peter was Mr. Ready, Fire, Aim. Peter was the guy that was, you know, very, very bold. But Peter was also the guy that failed there when he tried to be bold in his own strength. See, guys, we can't be bold. We can't just try harder in our own strength. We have to be submitted fully and filled with the Holy Spirit to be used mightily by God. We get to the book of Acts, we're going to see this same Peter go from denying Christ to preaching with boldness and 3,000 people getting saved in a single day. You know what the difference is? The Holy Spirit comes into his life. But as the women run into the upper room, the room where they're all hiding, they're all fearful, and they're afraid, well, if they crucify Jesus, maybe I'm next. If those soldiers see me, they might come get me next. And they walk into the room, and they tell him, that we, Jesus is alive. The angels told us. Mary tells him, I saw him. He called me by name. How do they respond, these, these giants, these apostles? How do they respond? Look what it says there in verse 11. And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they did not believe them. Wow. Sometimes when you share your faith, aren't you baffled that people just look at you like, you read the, a Bible verse, and they, to them, there's scales on their eyes, and they just don't get it. And we can get bummed out. Guys, it's not up to us to, to save people. That's what the Lord does. But it's up to us to just share the truth. And you can imagine the women sharing them. We saw him. We talked. We talked to the angels. Mary, I saw him. He called me by name. He's alive. And the apostles, these spiritual giants. Oh, we don't believe you. You've lost your mind. They've been told seven times by Jesus. They still did not believe. Look at verse 12. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Uh, I, I, I can imagine Peter running 
often when I read the Bible, I try to put myself in the shoes of every person. And Peter had been weeping because Peter did love the Lord. And Peter had been bold for the Lord in the past. And he had said, I will never deny you. And the last time he saw Jesus, he was dripping in blood. He had been scourged. He was being led away. He'd been beaten. And he's looking in the eyes of the Savior after cursing and saying three times that he did not know the Lord. And that was his last memory of his contact with Jesus. And now he's up and he's hiding and he's weeping and he's you know, probably all but suicide. What, what does my life even mean anymore? I spent three years with my Savior, and then I denied him. Why didn't I protect him? All these things running through his mind. And then when you hear that Jesus is risen, can you imagine him running to the tomb just hoping, oh, Lord, please, let this be true. Now, he should have known it was true, but as he's running to the tomb, he's really hoping, I mean, please, Lord, I, do I have another chance? You know, maybe you've rejected the Lord all your life. You know what? It's never too late. The thief on the cross was moments away from dying. As long as you're breathing in and out, it's never too late to get your life right with the Lord. So here's Peter running to the tomb. And when he gets there, look what happens. He looks, he says, stooping down, he saw the linen clothes lying by themselves. And he marveled, he departed marveling to himself about what had happened. He saw the blood-stained clothes that were on Jesus' body had been wrapped with by Joseph of Arimathea. But Jesus isn't there. We know from the other Gospels, they were like folded neatly. And so it didn't look like he'd been unraveled. The, the clothing was still there, and it was all nice and neat, but it was blood, it was blood stained. And what's amazing to me is, you know, when they would go in on the Holy of Holies, the Day of Atonement, into the Holy of Holies, what they saw, you know, the, the high priest got to do it on, on Yom Kippur, just him. And he would go into the holy place, and he would sprinkle blood on the center of the, the Ark of the Covenant. And what's amazing about that is on the edge of each Ark of the, on the Ark of the Covenant, on the mercy seat, is an angel on each end and blood-stained clothes in the middle. They would have blood on the middle. Do you know what, what the women saw when they came into the tomb? The two angels were on the end, and there was blood clothes. See, the Ark of the Covenant, 2,000 years, the years, all the years of doing the, you know, into the Holy of Holies, was always pointing to the resurrection. Passover pointed to the cross. The Ark pointed to the resurrection. It's always been about Jesus. Amen? And so... As he comes into the tomb, he's perplexed. He doesn't know what to think. So the first thing we saw was transformed, perplexed, confused women into bold witnesses of the truth. Now watch, Jesus has got another divine appointment. And I talk about divine appointments a lot. I believe we have them every day. But the greatest person, the greatest example of a divine appointment is our Savior. He's never too busy, no matter what's going on, to minister to individuals. And I love that heart. Look at verse 13. Now behold, two men... Behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem, and they talked together all these things which had happened. So the women were perplexed and afraid. The apostles didn't believe, thought the women were insane. Peter marveled, didn't know what to think. Two of the disciples were on the road to Emmaus on that same day. So it's Easter Sunday. They're not at the tomb looking for a risen Savior. By the way, if they had been obeying, if they had been reading the word of God and understood what it said, if they had heard what Jesus had said to them and really believed what he had said to them, they would have not been hiding. They would have all been at the tomb on Sunday morning knowing that he was going to raise from the dead. I mean, they've been sitting there with some beach chairs, some, I mean, we're going to watch it. Here it is. It's going to be the best show that's ever happened. They missed it completely. Two of them are walking on that day. Instead of being at the tomb, they're walking to Emmaus, seven miles walking. That's, you know, a couple hours. If you're walking at a normal speed, it could even be three hours. If you're just taking a leisurely stroll headed to Emmaus. 
And as they're walking along the road, on their way out of town, look what happens. So they're talking together about everything that had happened. They're talking about the cross. They're talking about the sky growing dark. They're talking about Jesus having been put into a tomb. They're talking about the Passover season, the end of it. And when all this is happening, all of a sudden as they're walking down the road, look at verse 15. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Look who shows up when they're talking about Jesus, the Lord. Do you know that every time you're having a conversation about Jesus with anybody that the Lord shows up? Can I get an amen to that? When you start sharing your faith with somebody, the Holy Spirit is there. Amen? When you're talking to other people about Jesus, doesn't it just change the whole tone and the environment that you're talking in? Because as soon as we start talking about the Lord, again, two or more gathered, there he is in our midst. So the Lord is there. The Holy Spirit is there. The Lord is speaking. And you know what? They're walking along the road with no hope and no answers and trying to talk about what in the world happened and what do they see? Jesus comes walking up alongside them. Spend time with them talking about him, and he will come near to you. When you're seeking the Lord, when you're talking about the Lord, he draws near to you also. Look, it says in verse 16, but their eyes were restrained, and they did not know him. So Jesus purposely made it so they didn't recognize him immediately. And he comes alongside these two guys who are having this discussion, walking for seven miles, perplexed about what's happened. The earth is quaked. Skies grew dark. What do we do now? And as they're walking along, a stranger in their eyes walks up alongside them. Verse 17, he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? See, the Lord knows the hearts of those who are hurting. He knows the hearts of those who don't fully understand who he is. And you know what his heart is? It's to reach out to them and to speak the truth into their lives. You know what? You're on, you're on this watching this uh, service right now by divine appointment. This is not by chance. God knew before the foundation of the world. He loves you. He's speaking to you right now. The word of God does not return void. And my heart is that you would come to know him if you don't already. If you do know him, it's time to put him back in the priority and make him the priority in the passion of your life yet again. Amen? We're, we're never as close to God as we, as we need to be. Can I get an amen? If you've been walking with him, you're a spiritually mature believer, could you be closer to the Lord? So could I. So the Lord shows up. He's walking alongside. He goes, so what's this you guys are talking about? It's making you so sad. Now watch the response. I actually love this. The one whose name was Clopas answered and said to him, are you a stranger in Jerusalem? Have you not known the things which happened there in these days? See, Jesus was the talk of all of Israel. Jesus was the talk of all of Jerusalem. See, even though he was crucified outside the city gates, the whole city, people are coming in and out of the city for Passover. Hundreds of thousands passed by the cross and saw him there. When the sky grew dark, it got everyone's attention. When the earthquake, it got everyone's attention. So this was a big deal. Everybody knew about it. He was the only topic of conversation. And so coming alongside saying, what are you talking about, would be like going down to Costco saying, what's this virus people are talking about? Like you don't know. It's the thing that everybody's talking about. So everybody was talking about Jesus. And they're walking along the road, and Jesus comes alongside and says, what are you talking about? Why are you so sad? And they're saying, don't you know? Don't you know what happened in Jerusalem? Verse 19, he said to them, what things? Now, I love this. Do you know the Lord will sometimes come to us, and he wants us to confess? Can I get an amen to that? He wants us to share what he has shown us. Does God already know what things? What's the answer? Does God already know when we pray what we need to pray for? What's the answer? 
He already knows, but he still wants us to pray. Amen? He still wants us to verbalize. He still wants us to say, Lord, I, I know. So he said, what things are you talking about? He wants, he wants them to express their hearts. And here's what they say. They said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. And how the priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that this is one he was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. It's not that Jesus didn't know. Of course he did. He wanted to hear their hearts. Again, much like when you and I pray. Have a knowledge of Jesus, didn't truly understand who he is. Notice what they say to him. They don't say he was the Messiah. They say he was a prophet. He's more than a prophet, amen? He was a good teacher who had a huge impact on Israel. No, he was more than that. He's the creator of the universe. There have been a lot of good teachers. There's only been one Savior. Can I get an amen to that? Been a lot of prophets, only one Savior. His name's Jesus Christ. A lot of people whose names are associated with Christianity. There's only one celebrity in Christianity. His name's Jesus Christ, amen? He's the one. And they didn't fully grasp who he was. It's not enough to believe that Jesus is a good man or a good teacher, as I said before. It's not even enough to believe that he died on the cross and rose from the dead if you do not recognize that he is the Savior of the world. And he must be more than Savior. He must be Lord. Amen? We must be ready to surrender our lives fully to him. These guys have a grasp, some level of understanding of who Jesus is, but not fully. They said there that they hoped he would redeem or rescue Israel. But a lot of what they were looking for, and the reason that the same people that cried out, Hosanna, save now we pray you on Palm Sunday, were now, then would four days later cry out, crucify him, they thought he was going to come in and overthrow the government. They thought he, that he was going to come in and put them in charge over the Romans. That's not why Jesus came. He didn't come to be a, a conquering general. He came to be a suffering savior. And when he didn't satisfy what a lot of them were looking for, that's when they cried out for him to be crucified. So they had some level of wanting to see Jesus do something greater, but they didn't fully grasp completely and totally who he is. Now, this is, my dad used to say all the time, if you can have video of any sermon in the Bible to watch, this is it. Because now as they are confused, and now as they are perplexed, and they said, our rulers, notice they're still identifying with the rulers that cried out for him to be crucified. They say in that text there, our rulers had him put to death. If you're following Jesus, not the rulers, you'd have said, the false teachers had him put to death, but they're still identifying with the old covenant. They're still identifying with the Pharisees. Now watch what Jesus does. This is so incredible to me. Again, they had misunderstood the Old Testament prophecies about who Jesus is. They didn't get it. Then it says in verse 22, and yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that they also had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found what his women had said, but him they did not see. So they, again, he's not in the tomb. He's risen from the dead. He said he had seven times he had told them already. They weren't understanding his word. They're still identifying with the Pharisees. And now they're walking out of town on their way to another city trying to figure out what's going on. And don't you love the graciousness of our Savior that he shows up? Can I get an amen to that? They're talking about him. They're perplexed about him. If you're perplexed about Jesus, I pray after today, you'll never be perplexed again. Can I get an amen? That you will know who he is. And not only will you know about him, but you will know him, have intimate fellowship with him. And so they were sad and they were 
doubting and they were discouraged instead of rejoicing. If they had remembered his word, they'd have been rejoicing. He rose just as he said. I can't wait to see what he's going to do next. He's alive. We need to, he'll show up at some point. We need to find him. But instead, they're walking out of town. Things didn't turn out the way they wanted. He hadn't overthrown Rome because he had something far greater. Now watch how Jesus responds. Look at this. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ have suffered these things and enter into his glory? It wasn't it always God's plan that he was going to suffer and die? Wasn't this always his plan? Isn't this what he taught you? And then this, here it is. This verse is one of the greatest verses. Look what it says. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now this is the video my dad wanted to, now he's in heaven, he's got to see it. Can I get an amen? But can you imagine walking with Jesus and they're saying, but yeah, he wasn't what we expected. And yeah, well, you know, we don't understand. And he calls him foolish because he says, was he supposed to die? And then from Moses, through all the prophets, he told them everything concerning himself. Oh man, how awesome would that message have been? Can I get an amen to that? See, if you study the Old Testament, I love the Old Testament because history is his story. Can I get an amen to that? And when you read through the Old Testament, there's hundreds of prophecies about the coming Messiah. There's thousands of pictures of our Savior. Jesus is in every chapter. So beginning at Moses, beginning in the beginning of the Old Covenant, he begins to tell them about himself. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. Genesis 3, we saw the first promise of a Redeemer. In Genesis 22, Abraham placing his beloved son Isaac on the altar. Isaac carrying the wood up the very same mountain where Jesus would one day be crucified. And he gets to the top of the mountain and he says, we have the wood and, you know, we have the, but where, and the burnt, you know, the coals, everything we need for the burnt, where's the offering? And Abraham says, God will provide himself a sacrifice. And the goat is caught in the thicket, a ram's caught in the thicket, they sacrifice the ram instead, but not until his father was ready to sacrifice his own son. You know what? That was all a picture of Jesus. He expounds to them that Satan in the garden thinks he has won. He says, I'm going to crush him, as it was told. He says in Genesis 22, he's taking him to, to Abraham and Isaac. What about the Passover? He gets to Passover. Again, in Genesis, hey, the blood of the lamb and the shake of a cross, and those who were, who were covered by the blood were delivered from death. Guys, does that point to Jesus or what? And so he's talking to them about the Passover. No doubt he talked to them about the tabernacle itself. Do you know every piece of furniture in the tabernacle points to Jesus? I don't have time to go through all of it. Well, you're sitting on your sofa. Where are you going? Maybe we do. But here's the reality. You begin there with the bronze, you know, the bronze altar where the sacrifice was made. Do you know the bronze altar had four points on it? You know that, the, that it was perfect for the size of a man to lay on it? And that its blood was shed there on the bronze altar? You know, after they shed the blood on the bronze altar and they gathered it, they would go over to the to the, uh, the bronze laver where they would cleanse themselves. And they would look into, it would shine back on them and the priest covered in blood would be cleansed in, in the bronze laver. Again, Jesus is the one who died for us and he's the one who cleanses us. Can I get an amen to that? You go into the tabernacle, there's a table of showbread because Jesus is the bread of life. Amen? You have the, the, the golden lampstand because Jesus is the light of the world. You have the table of incense because he is the one who intercedes between us and God. They would keep that burning 24 hours a day. The incense would spill over into the Holy of Holies. See, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he intercedes for us nonstop. Thank you, Lord. Can I get an amen? He's interceding for us right now. 
And then you go into the Holy of Holies, and there is the Ark of the Covenant, as we spoke about. Three things in the Ark, the jar of manna, Jesus is the bread of life. Aaron's rod, he is the great high priest. The Ten Commandments, because Jesus is the Word. Can I get an amen to that? It was covered by the mercy seat, because only his mercy could cover it. The angels on that end, the blood stained in the middle, his resurrection. Jesus telling them all this. Can you imagine walking with Jesus for three hours, three or four hours? I have an idea they slowed down. Can I get an amen? Take your time. I got nowhere else to be. There's no other thing I need to hear about right now. They're walking with Jesus, and he's expounding from the Old Testament, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, telling them all about himself, beginning at Moses. The priestly garments, all pointing to Jesus. The 12 different tribes, the 12 stones, the breastplate of righteousness. Again, the, the, the things where he's carrying the weight upon himself as he carries the, 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 the uh, children of Israel upon him. The day of atonement. The serpent in the wilderness. Boy, I love this. They were all out and they were complaining against the Lord and the serpents began to bite them and the Lord told, uh, told them to make a, a rod and to lift it up. And on that golden rod, they put a serpent and they held it up. And anybody who looked up at the serpent would be healed. What in the world does that mean? But you know what? Here's what's awesome. The Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin for us. See, that serpent upon the rod, when they look to the, to, to the one who would be slain in our place, as you look to the cross, that's where you're forgiven. Amen? He who knew no sin became sin for us. He's telling them all about these, one after another, after another, after another. That was me. That was me. That was me. That was me. That pointed to me. That's always been about me. It's always been my plan. What a great and awesome God we serve. That's why you need to read the Old Testament. Can I get an amen to that? In Isaiah 53, it talks about the suffering servant. It, uh, suffering servant. It describes the crucifixion 700 years before the cross existed perfectly. That's only possible because God wrote it. In Psalm 22 and Psalm 69, prophetic messianic passages, all written centuries earlier and all fulfilled by Jesus Christ. Man, I would love to hear that message, but we can if we will read the Old Testament. Amen. It's all Jesus. And they're walking along the road. Do you think there's guys' attitude? Do you think they're perplexed anymore? Do you think they're worried anymore? Do you think they're fearful anymore? All of a sudden, their eyes are being opened because the word of God is being spoken to them by the word of God. Amen? The key to understanding the Bible is to seeing Jesus on every page. I love another thing that John Corson said. Hermeneutics is the study of scripture. He goes, we ought to call it hemeneutics because we're looking for him on every page. Can I get an amen to that? We're looking for Jesus always. So here they are walking along, and man, hearing the most amazing message, Jesus pointing to himself in every part of the Old Testament, and then look what happens here in verse 28. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would go further. But they constrained him, saying, abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Yeah, I, I, I guess so. You've been hanging out with Jesus. He's been speaking to you for hours. He's revealed who, G, who he is himself. They still don't understand that it's Jesus yet. But when this man who's teaching them all these things wants to leave, they want to hang on to him with both hands. Think about Jacob when he wrestled with God and wouldn't let go. And the Lord finally broke him. And you know what? Guys, that ought to be our relationship with the Lord. He shouldn't be an inconvenience we put up with every, you know, every few sun, uh, one Sunday a month or a couple Sundays a year. He should be the one that we love so much we don't want to let him go. Can I get an amen to that? That we just want to be in his presence. We want to spend time in his... By the way, every time I read the Bible, I'm never disappointed. Can I get an amen? Every time I read it, sometimes the hardest thing to do for any of us is to open the Bible. There's too many distractions in our lives. But guys, when you open it, you read it, it will transform you. If you don't understand it, 
call somebody who does. Can I get an amen? If you don't understand it yet because you don't know the Lord yet, you got my cell phone number, you can call me anytime. I love to talk about God's word to anybody, anywhere. And we all ought to be those who study it so much we can share with others the hope that lies within us. So these once discouraged and sad and doubtful had been won by the living and powerful word of God and they wanted to know more. They still didn't know who he is, who he was. All they knew was that their hearts were burning with them and they didn't want it to stop. The more time we spend to fellowship with the God of the word, the more time we spend in the word of God, the more time we will want to fellowship with the God of the word. Now watch over verse 30 and 31. Now it came to pass as he sat down at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they knew and he vanished from their sight. They didn't know who he was till the bread was broken. But you know what's amazing to me? When he broke that bread and he handed it to them, what did they see? They saw the nail prints in his hands. You know, it's been said the only man-made thing that will be in heaven are the nail prints in our Savior. And as soon as the bread was broken, his body broken for us, and he handed it to them, and they saw the nail prints in his hand. It's, it's my Savior. He's alive. He is risen. Oh, my heart breaks to think that there's some of you watching right now that you've never recognized who Jesus really is. Oh, I pray today's a day of salvation. His body was broken because he loves you. And he'd rather die than live without you. What a great and awesome God we serve. Oh. You know, we're going to see his nail-scarred hands one day. If you know Jesus, you'll close your eyes on earth and you'll open them up in glory. And we're going to see our Savior face to face. And we're going to see those nail-print hands that show how much he loves us. What a great and awesome God we serve. Amen. So they've been feeding on the living and breathing word of God. He vanished from their sight. Now watch what they do. I love this. Look at verse 32. So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. Let me ask you a question. Do you think they got back to Jerusalem any quicker than they got to Emmaus? I think they went from, as I wrote in the notes, from uh, discouragement and doubt to burning hearts and burning feet. Now that they knew that Jesus was alive, even though they had heard it from the women, they doubted. Even though when they were walking with Jesus, they didn't fully grasp it yet, but they were excited to hear all that they were hearing. But as soon as they saw the nail prints in his hands, as soon as they knew he was a risen and living Savior, they couldn't get back to Jerusalem enough to tell everybody else about him. And that's the mark of somebody who really understands who Jesus is. We should have burning feet and burning hearts to tell other people. Can I get an amen? And that was their heart as they ran back. They fed on the living, breathing word of God. They were walking with the Lord, and it led to a burning heart. And that's the same for us. If we walk with the Lord, we spend time in his presence, it will lead to a burning heart. Look at verse 33. So they rose up that very hour, returned to Jerusalem, and, and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. And then they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he had, known, had made known to them in the breaking of bread. So by this time, the Lord has appeared to Peter. Jesus appeared to Peter before the other disciples. You know this in 1 Corinthians 15. And I love our Savior's compassion because Peter had denied the Lord three times and then the Lord appeared to him. And when he appeared to him, he sat with him and gave him a chance to confess him three times. You know, and he told, when he told him to go back and tell him that he had risen, go tell the disciples and especially Peter. 
See, the Lord does care for those who are brokenhearted, and he does care for those who may have even rejected him and denied him. Do you know he loves you enough that he still wants to reach out to you, that he still loves you? Where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. No matter how far away you think you've gotten from God, you can take a million steps away, it truly is only one step back. He desires to have intimate fellowship with you. He cares about you. He thinks about you. He knows your name. He knows the number of hairs on your head. You are his treasured possession. He would rather die than live without you. Here's Peter who denied him, who cursed saying he didn't know him, who'd walked away. And Jesus makes a point of tell my disciples, and especially Peter, that I have risen. How that must have gripped Peter's heart to know it wasn't too late to get right with God. It wasn't too late to be used by God. Guys, no matter what you've done, it's not too late. Let today be the day of salvation or today be the day of rededication. So point number two there, transfer the one from the transformed perplexed women to bold witnesses, transform men on the road to amaze from discouragement and doubt to burning uh, hearts and burning feet. Final point, transforms his disciples from faithless and fearless unbelief to hearts of worship and uncontainable joy. So the word is out. He has risen. It's not just the women that have told him that should have been enough. The word of God telling him that should have been enough. Now they've been hearing it. Simon has seen him. And now the two men on the road to Emmaus are coming back. They're all talking about him. They're all gathered together and they're beginning to rejoice. Look what happens. Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and he said to them, peace to you. Can you imagine? Peter's talking about, the women are talking about him. The men from Rotomaeus show up in the room, they're telling them everything, and then Jesus shows up. He just appears in the room. We know from the other text, he didn't use the door. Even though he was fully flesh, he had a heavenly body, he could move in. The bodies we're going to have in heaven one day. So here he is. He comes in, he's in their presence, and he says, peace to you. Right now, whatever you're going through, the Lord is appearing to you, and he says, peace to you. You know, we can have peace because we know the Prince of Peace. No matter what conflict you maybe feel like you're going through right now, do you know that God is in control and he's faithful? He's greater than the coronavirus all day. Can I get an amen to that? He's greater than your financial issues, your health issues, the struggles you're going through in life. He's a great and awesome God. I can't imagine going through it without him. And now he would say to you, I'm here. I love you. Peace to you. Now notice how they respond. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. They still don't fully get it. But I love this. Now what does he do? They look and they see him, and again, I, I imagine if Jesus showed up, now he won't do this, because we know when he comes back, we'll all know it, can I get an amen? But if he showed in this room right now, I think we might take a step back before he took a step forward, can I get an amen? Whoa, right? And so here they are, they're kind of amazed, but then watch what happens, I love this. He said to them, why are you troubled? And Why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, it is I myself, handle me and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. You know how they knew he was really Jesus? They touched him. And we need to get to that place where it goes beyond this distant relationship with a faraway Savior to having intimate fellowship with Almighty God. And once they touched him, they knew it was him. Now, it's also interesting, I want to point this out. If you Bible study, you know, scholars, Bible people that study the Word of God, a lot of cults say that Jesus only appeared in spirit. Uh, they need to read that verse, and that's wiped out. Can I get an amen to that? He said, come and touch me and see. I've still made of flesh. I have truly risen from the dead. And again, it's been said, the only things that we're going to have in heaven that are man-made are the scars, and they were able to touch 
the scars on his body. And then it says, when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still, but while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, have you any food here? So they were, they were marveling and blown away, and they still weren't really sure, like, this, is this really happening? They're so blown away by seeing Jesus face to face. They, you know, he'd been on the cross, he'd been in the tomb, and now he's standing in front of them. They're still struggling with it. And then he says, got any food here? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish. Uh, he was not a vegetarian, thank you, Jesus. And some honeycomb. And he took it and ate it in their presence. So Jesus, in his glorified body, ate. We're going to eat in heaven. No cholesterol, thank you, Jesus. Amen? But here's the reality. He proves that he's still fully man. That while he is fully God, he was still fully man. And he sat with them, and he was in his flesh, and he ate with them, and he was near them. And they had gone from a place of despair because he had been on the cross, because the Savior of the world in their mind had died. And the reality was, it was always his plan. He's fulfilled it. He's proved himself to be God, and he's back in their midst. And guys, here's the good news. Jesus is in our midst, and his Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And he will never leave us nor forsake us. And there's a day coming really soon where we're going to get to see his nail print hands and the nails in his feet and the depths of his love for us. And my prayer is that for all of us, today would indeed be the day of salvation. Let's finish up. And then he said to them, these are the words which I still, the words I spoke to you when I was still with you that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Again, he goes back and reminds them, maybe much like on the road to Emmaus, everything about himself, that all the things that you saw happen had been prophesied beforehand. So here's the difference between Jesus and every other Messiah. No fulfilled prophecies for any of them. Can I get an amen? Jesus, over and over, born in Bethlehem, born of a virgin, described as being crucified before crucifixion existed, and we could sit here and talk about it all day long. Prophecy after prophecy after prophecy, raised in Nazareth. When, when, you know, we can go on and on, and all of them pointing to the Lord, and he fulfills them all. Guys, we don't check our brains at the door to put, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. We don't believe in spite of the evidence. That would be superstition. Prophetically, archaeologically, uh, you know, every time they turn over a shovel of dirt in the Middle East, more, more proof that Jesus is who he says he is. Can I get an amen to that? They're discovering cities that they say didn't exist that Jesus talked about. They're there. Can I get an amen? So the word of God is true. By the way, scientists think they got all figured out. He's omniscience. Amen? He's a definition of scientist. Scientists change your mind. God does it. By the way, it said he looked down upon the circumference of the earth. Uh, when everybody else thought the world was still flat. The scientists are way behind God. Can I get an amen to that? Now look, I believe in science. I'm all for it. But Jesus is the answer to all of it. Amen? When the scientists conflict with the word of God, the scientist is always wrong and the word of God is always right. Amen? Just give it some more time and we'll figure it out. And again, evolution, lie of the devil. The word of God is true. And Jesus points to himself saying, this all had to happen. It was fulfilled in me. Finally, he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Isn't it good to know that the Lord has already opened our understanding that we might comprehend the scriptures? They walked with him for three years and didn't fully get it. And as soon as you're born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you and gives you understanding, removes the veil from your eyes. And he said to them, thus it is written, and that was, thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer, for the Christ to suffer, and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins 
should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So what is it we're supposed to be preaching as Christians? Are we supposed to be preaching social justice? Are we supposed to be preaching uh, your best life now? Are we supposed to be preaching, uh, you know, how to get rich or how to manipulate God or seed giving or what's the message of the church? What are we supposed to be preaching? Well, I think Jesus is a good one to give us instruction. Can I get an amen? And here's what he said. Let me read that to you again. He said, rise on the third day and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations. We preach repentance, the need for forgiveness of sin in the name of Jesus to everyone breathing on the planet. Can I get an amen? That's what Jesus has commanded. Guys, we need to get back to preaching the message that Jesus taught. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist taught it. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Peter taught it. Paul taught it. We need to teach it. Can I get an amen? Too many churches have become religious country clubs where all they do is tell you how wonderful you are. Guess what? You're not wonderful. You're a sinner in desperate need of a savior just like me. Amen? Jesus died on the cross and redeemed us. He knows me best, all the worst, wicked, most vile things I've ever done, and he loves me most, and the same is true for you. And guys, it's not about us coming to Jesus so he'll give us stuff. We're coming to Jesus because we desperately need to be forgiven. Amen? Because we're all sinners that have been separated from Almighty God. That God can't have one sin in heaven or he's got earth part two. And redemption only comes through the blood of Christ upon the cross of Calvary. There's no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. There are none righteous, no, not one. You cannot get into heaven by doing good works because you're not good enough and neither am I. There's only been one who's good, who's ever lived, and his name is Jesus Christ. And the one who is good suffered and died so all of us who are bad can be forgiven. What a great and awesome God we serve. Can I get an amen? And he's proven all this to be true because he rose from the dead on the third day. He said, and you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but you tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. What power is he talking about? Talking about the Holy Spirit. How does Peter go from denying Jesus to preaching with boldness and 3,000 getting saved? Holy Spirit. How do you and I go from living lives of fear and anxiety and worry and keeping our faith to ourselves and at times being ashamed of the gospel. We need to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Amen? We need to not walk in the fear of our flesh, but the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That message hasn't changed. Preach repentance. Jesus Christ is crucified and risen from the dead. Guys, it's all about, I don't like talking about God because God can be anybody. Can I get an amen to that? That can be a God of our own creation. It's Jesus, 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 Jesus. Amen? No other name under heaven. He is Yahshua. The Lord is salvation. He's the one we've been waiting for. He is the only hope, the only answer. Guys, he's the cure for the coronavirus. He's the cure for what ails us. He is the answer. He is our hope. He is our redeemer. You can be forgiven. Your life can be transformed. Let today be the day of salvation. And he led them out, it says, as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And now it came to pass while he blessed them that he parted from them and was carried up into heaven and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. I guess so. Guys, once you recognize Jesus for who he really is, not just a prophet, 
Not just someone who you thought was going to overthrow the government. Not just somebody who thinks is going to fix your problems. But when you recognize that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, that he suffered and died in your place so you might have eternal life, you can't help but worship him. You can't help but be filled with joy. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness. Guys, joy is not based on your circumstances. That's temporary happiness. A lot of people aren't happy right now because our circumstances are not good. We're going through a group trial together, but the Word of God says we can count it all joy when we fall into various trials. God's using it to form us, conform us more to the image of His Son. And guys, we can worship the Lord no matter what's going around, on around us. We can have joy no matter what our circumstances are, because we know the one who sits on the throne, and we know the promise that we have of eternal life, and the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, and He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. What a great and awesome God we serve. Amen? I just want to say hallelujah from the rooftops, amen? And we got to get past keeping this to ourselves. They worshiped him with great joy, and they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God, amen. They couldn't get enough of Jesus. They didn't get burnt out on Jesus. You know, our church in San, our churches I've pastored, I always want to have church seven nights. I just said, I want to have church all the time. People say, don't you get burnt out on Jesus? No. Don't you get burnt out on Netflix? Can I get an amen? Don't you get burnt out on sports? Get rid of it. Don't you get burnt out on other stuff that's perishing? If you love Jesus, you'll never get burnt out on Jesus because he doesn't burn out. Can I get an amen to that? We need more of him, more of him, no matter where you are with the Lord. The last thing Jesus did was bless them descending into heaven and he blesses them. You know what the Lord wants to do? If you're giving your life to him, he wants to bless you. And I'm not talking about stuff. He wants to pour out his spirit upon you. He wants to give you that joy and that peace that surpasses all understanding. He's a great and an awesome God. Hey, if you're at home and you're going to take communion with us, go get your stuff. Amen? So we're going to take communion now. I can't think of a more perfect time to do it than as we celebrate the resurrection of our Savior. If the worship team will come on up.